Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Our podcast aims to connect you to what's going on at Ross Road Community Church, to connect you to the people at Ross Road, and ultimately, to connect you to God himself. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast, episode number 36. Uh, My name is Craig, along with my regular co-host, Holly. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Craig. As well as a special co-host today, Pastor Bobby Rao. How are you, Bobby? All right. I like being called special to start today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought about Bishop, but uh, uh, about Bishop Bobby, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, it is a nickname Bobby's been called before. So, oh, there you I go. Think you could catch. Shortened to Bish Bob, but oh, uh, no. <laughs> yes, Bish Bob. No, That's the one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, on the podcast today, uh, we have uh, a special guest, uh, someone near and dear to my heart, my own brother, actually, on the podcast today. Uh, Brad is his name, my older brother. He is uh, 21 months older than I am and uh, living in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Brad's a professional athlete. And so, I think as we start, before we hear about Brad's career, which uh, one of the highlights is hoisting the Stanley Cup over his head, uh, the three of us should share the highlights of our own athletic careers. Oh. <laughs> I think we should share that just to contrast our own achievements with that of, oh of my Brad. Goodness. <laughs> so let's start with you, Bobby, while Holly thinks about her answer. <laughs> oh. Mine would be uh, playing uh, high school football for Moet uh, in our in my grade 12 year. I was able to um, uh, our team won the, the provincial championship, uh, and then I personally won the uh, Player of the Year and the Academic Player of the Year awards. Oh. So yeah, that was pretty cool, and it's great. Yeah. Wow! Look at that. That's awesome. I was uh, I was just going to make some joke about how you know the most impressive thing was like winning at like a youth dodgeball game or something. Hey, hey <laughs> but, that's impressive. Um, I'm sure I probably haven't even done that. Um, Do you not count okay. dance as a sport? That, I was just going to get into that, and this yeah. was, was my thing. I did competitive dance growing up, and I always kind of said that I think like dancers are definitely athletes because it's so difficult. Like yeah. you use your entire body. Like it's the most in shape I've ever been. Um, but I don't see dance as like a, it's not a game. So it's not like a sport, but I do think that dancers are athlete, like athletes. Wow. That was really hard for me to say. Um, but I think, yeah, the pinnacle of my dancing career was probably that I got to dance in the Disneyland parade. So that, that was pretty cool. We got to like see backstage of Disneyland and like go there for free. And like, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was exhausting. And it was like really difficult because like when you're dancing in a parade, especially for Disneyland, like you have to be smiling 110%, like the whole time you can't stop. And it's like 40 minutes and it's in like 35 degree heat. And it was, uh, it was really challenging, but it was really cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say uh, through all the hockey I've played, uh, we, my team's made the finals quite a lot, like, um, but we didn't really win. So uh, one year we made the semifinals in the provincials when I was playing in minor hockey and probably had the best individual game of my life. I scored five goals and got an assist and we lost seven, six in the finals, but that was like the most dialed in I ever remember feeling in one game. Um, but, um, 
I feel like talking about, I played minor and junior hockey and then I played intramural sports at Briarcrest college. And like we won there <laughs> and like, that was some of the funnest times I've had playing sports, even though it was just like college intramurals. So yeah. <laughs> they, they had two hockey leagues in uh, Briarcrest intramurals an elite league and a novice league. And as a, as a player, I was good enough to play in the elite league. And so we, we won the championship one year in that league, but you could play in both leagues if you played goaltender in one. And so I had no experience playing goalie, but I found someone with equipment and borrowed the equipment and played on my dorms novice intramural team. And we won the championship in, in that league in the same year. So we won, I won it twice. So I thought that was pretty fun. Nice. Um, That's great. But, uh, and then I've told the story about intramural football uh, before, which was, which was lots of fun too. So I'm just there you surprised. Go surprised that holly didn't talk about disc golf for her best uh, oh, right. yeah. Yeah. oh yeah i'm a yeah. pro disc golf player now <laughs> i went and, one time and and i was reminded the other this this podcast needs to start with an apology actually uh i owe our listeners an apology uh and specifically our our editor caleb rosborough because um apparently i said and i don't remember saying this but caleb knows and he's got the the, the it's on tape so i won't deny that i said it um, uh, we talked about disc golf and I said, I don't really see myself getting into that. I, it just doesn't seem oh. like that much fun. <laughs> and, um, Jenny and I, uh, w w w we went with, with, um, with Bobby and, and we got into it and, um, Jenny and I went together and all of a sudden she's researching discs and, you know, now we have three discs each and we've got a bag to carry them in. And we're like going on our, our free time. We've taken our kids disc. like I'm into it now. So I apologize to everyone I offended with that comment. So, so <laughs> I'm a hypocrite and uh, I apologize. So, we'll work on forgiving you. It might take some time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be yeah, another podcast. We're, we're a fun group of people to go disc golfing with. Um, you know, the staff, most of us went the one time. And uh, I like to give people ratings as they go along. So it's, uh, it's quite a fun, quite a fun experience, but I rate myself too. And I give myself honest ratings. I'm not one for false, uh, false encouragement. So yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. You did have one shot. We were at Raptors Knowles there and I, I tried to be like, oh yeah, that was better than the last one. You just looked at me as like, don't, don't even bother. You know, I know. I was like, you don't need good. to do that. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm not good at this. <laughs> so, um, with our athletic achievements now publicly broadcasted, let's now talk to a professional athlete, uh, and also hear about a bit about his faith journey in the midst of pro, um, his professional journey. Brad, welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, why don't we start just by having you tell us a little bit about your family, which includes uh, Craig Thiessen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, yeah, I grew up uh, in Aldergrove there with uh, Stan and Val Thiessen on the farm with my brothers, uh, Craig and Scott. And uh, since then... Uh, my family here has grown in, in Cleveland. We live here in Cleveland uh, full-time. Um, I have wife, Ashley. We've been married uh, nine years coming up in July and have a six-year-old uh, named Nash. He's, he was born in uh, Glens Falls, New York. And then uh, Brody is four. He was born here in Cleveland. And Aubrey, is she'll be two in July or three in July. And uh, she was also born here in Cleveland. So 
busy, uh, busy family and, and uh, there's never a dull moment. Hmm. Oh, that's great. Uh, can I just say too, I don't know. I want to know if you guys get this a lot. Like, do people think that you guys look like siblings and your other brother, Scott, if I'm remembering correctly, like, do people think that you all look really similar? <laughs> yeah. I feel like you and Scott got like twin comments when you were younger, no? Yeah. Oh yeah. People thought we were twins all the time. Me and Scott. Yeah. Cause but I, like, this is the first time that I'm ever seeing Brad and I feel like you guys don't look like siblings, but maybe that is just me. I don't know, Bobby, what do you think? No, I, I'd agree with that, but it might be a, a zoom thing too, that you can't quite see all of it. So I see some similarities. True. <laughs> I, I, I got it. I've got it a lot with Scott and, but sometimes I'll get it with Brad. Like somebody, a, a few people have thought I look like Brad, but I, I see the similarities with me and Scott more so than Brad too. So, yeah. Brad, I'd love to hear some stories of, or what, uh, growing up at Ross road and you can throw in your favorite story about Craig growing up too. <laughs> if you'd like. Well, I was thinking about this. I was thinking that's probably where my uh, singing career started and ended was at Ross road. <laughs> I remember oh, we always, uh got uh i don't know if by choice or not but we were always in the uh musicals or christmas shows or whatever there there was that year so um uh, my mom has tapes back somewhere and hopefully you can't watch them anymore because it's she's slightly trying, embarrassing she's trying to get them on dvd she may have succeeded already in getting them on dvd but great yeah well, I'm, I'm sure uh next time we're in town then they'll be pulled out and we can all sit down and watch again but <laughs> those were uh those were always fun memories uh i remember um just some of the people uh, that were involved with the uh, youth group there. Uh, Wayne Halverson um, was a big influence on on my life and and a lot of youth that uh, went through Ross Road during that time. Um, just a, a really great man and, and uh, just really cared about us as as kids and growing us up to to be men of, men and children of God. So that was uh, you know really important. Um, big Pastor Herb Newfeld. Uh, he was another one that was really passionate about teaching and leading the church. And he was the one who baptized me um, when I was probably, I think around 12 or 13. So, um, and it was, you know, it was just a place where it was a, a really welcoming place, uh, a safe place for us to, to grow up and really where I, you know, started my foundation in Christ and being a Christian there. That's really cool. I, uh, I read, it, it's cool the word welcoming and I just had a conversation with an elder uh, Rick Thiessen. And he said that that keeps coming up and it's come up for years. Um, and it's interesting how that's gone for 50 years now, how people have continued to say that Ross Road is, is a welcoming church between um, lots of has happened, lots of transitions in leadership, but that's cool that that's been something that's continued to happen and is still a value at Ross Road. Yeah, there was always like a lot of fun stuff to do, especially for the kids with the gym there, playing hockey with different kids. Uh, I remember Halloween's we'd have you know, big Halloween night with games and things like a safe place for people to go and didn't want to or didn't like going out trick-or-treating like we didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> we'd always go to the church and uh, and do stuff there. So it was always a, you know, a good time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so we want to talk to you about your hockey career and what it what it's been like to be a believer in the midst of. Was the, uh, is the cat the star of the podcast? Or <laughs> yeah, she usually doesn't jump up this much. She's being annoying. <laughs> Ollie's cat often walks through meetings. Uh, yeah, she needs a special guest appearance. She actually uh, runs the the household there. Yesterday, I had a it's meeting true. with Holly, and Holly was sitting in a different chair. And I said, "Why are you sitting somewhere else?" She said, "Well, the cat is sitting in my chair." And rather than move the cat, I just pulled up another chair. So yeah. Well, she gets really mad if I try to move her, and I don't have the heart to move her. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we want to talk about your hockey career and uh, and faith in the midst of that. Now, um, I was going to get you to go over your hockey career, but I think that you'd be too modest to tell us about all your accomplishments. So I'm going to verbalize your hockey career to you and uh, ask you a few questions uh, in the midst of it. And um and uh, you can correct me if I get details wrong. Uh, I, I learned that you have your own Wikipedia page. So that's, oh, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, we got to pull it up. Yeah, I, I have not checked that one out. <laughs> All right, Craig, um, keep talking. I'll pull it up. Yeah, you pull it up. It's, it's only got partial information, actually. So uh, you left home in grade 11 or 12? No, the rule was that I wasn't allowed to leave home until after I was done high school. So oh, okay. I... Finished uh, high school. Luckily, uh, I finished a year early. So after grade twelve, I after I graduated from MEI, I left. Right. Yes. So you uh, moved then to Penticton. You played on a few different teams in the BCHL Junior A. Um, after that, you signed with uh, Northeastern University. You received a scholarship from Northeastern University uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, to play in the NCAA uh, Division One and in in Hockey East. Uh, you made the all-rookie team in 2006-2007, and over three years there, you set numerous uh, school records in goaltending statistics, though when I looked them up yesterday, many of them have been eclipsed since you left. <laughs> I was going to say, there's been uh, some that have fallen, probably. I think Caden uh, Primo is close to being in Montreal soon as taking some of them away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you had quite a few of them when you went there. Your third year... Uh, the Huskies made the NCAA tournament. Uh, that's a uh, 16-team tournament, right? Yeah, 16 teams. 16 teams in the nation and uh, made that tournament, which is a big accomplishment. Uh, Brad was the Hockey East Player of the Year, not just the goalie of the year, the player of the year, uh, made the all-star team and was a finalist for the Hobie Baker Trophy. The Hobie Baker Trophy is given to the top collegiate hockey player in the nation, and Brad was one of the last three um what do you remember about that brad uh i remember um just the whole season was a, a lot of fun because northeastern as a school hadn't really kind of been known as a hockey powerhouse and that year we had kind of the year before i got to school they only won three games all season so by the time my third year had finished we were gotten up to being ranked third in the country we made you know the tournament like you said and it was uh just really fun to be a part of the, the whole college atmosphere. I don't think growing up in Canada, you really get a feeling for what the uh, university is like in the, in, in the States. There's just the, the sporting atmosphere and the way that their schools kind of get behind their teams. Um, the student sections in the, in the, in the crowd, uh, everyone's super into it. I mean, it's not like football where there's a hundred thousand people there at some of these football games in the States, but um, you know, as we kind of got really good that third year, the, the whole school got behind and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. I got to uh, visit 
you once or twice maybe and uh witnessed some of those games at, at the old Matthews Arena there at uh at Northeastern and the, the college atmosphere and the uh, especially sections probably in most rinks uh sections behind the goaltender mm-hmm. uh, with the sole purpose of heckling the goaltender after goals go in and and whatnot you probably heard some good chants yeah, they are ruthless. There's <laughs> there's nothing uh, out of bounds for those students <laughs> when they're uh, yelling at the goalie. So it was it was a lot of fun to go, especially some of the other rinks too, just to be able to, you know, you, know, you try and tune a lot of it out, but you hear some of it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, a Hobie Baker finalist. Who won the Hobie Baker that year? Uh, Matt Gilroy did. He was uh, ended up signing with the Rangers after that. I think he might still be playing in Russia, but um, yeah, he's, he's not playing in the NHL anymore. And Colin Wilson was the other member of the top three that year. So I think he's still playing somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after your third year, you opted out of your fourth year to sign professionally with Pittsburgh and um, immediately had a really neat experience. Yes, I did. I was, uh, <laughs> went from, actually, it's funny because I, I signed with Pittsburgh. I went to their American Hockey League team in Wilkes-Barre uh, just to kind of get my feet wet, practice. They were near the end of their season, um, just kind of like see what pro hockey was like. And I remember flying home to Abbotsford for you and Jenny's wedding and then flying back to Wilkes-Barre. And upon getting back to Wilkes-Barre, coach called me in and was like, hey, uh, Pittsburgh, they're in their playoff run. Uh, you know, they have their two goalies, but – you know, they need their breaks during the playoffs. Uh, they need another guy for practice. So we're going to bring you to Pittsburgh just to practice. You're on the team um, while they're in the playoffs right now. So I went right to Pittsburgh. It was in the second round and they were playing Washington when I got there. And that was a, you know, famous, I think the first time Crosby and Ovechkin played against each other in a seven game series. And, um, you know, there was, I think there was one game where both of them had a hat trick and Pittsburgh ended up winning in seven games. And then they went up winning the Stanley cup. And I was there for the whole ride on the ice after game seven, being able to, to lift the cup over my head and, um, you know, being a part of the, the parades and the parties and all that kind of stuff. And coming straight out of uh, college, that was something that I definitely didn't, didn't think was going to happen, but just to be able to, to start off my career that way was pretty cool. What was it like uh, stepping on the ice with Crosby and Malkin and Latang in practice? Oh, it was very intimidating, <laughs> especially the first few times. And um, Sid was probably the first person I actually met when I walked in the room and just be able to, you know, you walk in and you see him, you're like, oh, there he is. And you're used to watching him on TV and, and uh, you know, seeing how, how good a hockey player he was. And then you're on the same ice with him. It was uh, a little intimidating for sure at first. And I probably didn't belong for the first month or so I was getting scored on a lot but <laughs> kind of <laughs> figure things out as you go along and and uh you know, it, was, it was a cool experience to be in that organization and with those great players now you you were with Pittsburgh for a while so um you got to to uh, well at least in the organization so you got to practice with Pittsburgh a number of times over the next number of years um and uh, you and Sid Sid enjoyed practicing with you right yeah, he, he uh, during that time was kind of like the f- first time he was going through his concussion issues that he had uh, or kind of earlier on in his career. So there was a lot of time when he was rehabbing and he was on the ice by himself and he needed another goalie out there. So I was the one who was out there with him. <laughs> he was just me and him on the ice a lot of times. And, and uh, 
So I got to see firsthand just his work ethic and, and how driven he is and um, just a special set of skills that he has uh, on the ice. So um, that was, a, you know, definitely a fun time for me to be able to be a part of that. And didn't you end up at Mario Lemieux's house with the Stanley Cup party? We did, yeah. It was, um, it was just a whirlwind night from when we we won won the cup. Um, I remember, you know, you're in the dressing room and all that stuff. There's champagne flying around and everyone taking drinks out of the cup and stuff. And then you get on the bus. We were on the road in Detroit, so we had to go back to the plane. Um, they had the plane just chilling in its own seat on the plane back back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, landed in Pittsburgh to limos right on the tarmac, jump in the limos and take us straight to Mario Lemieux's house. It was, I think it was four or five in the morning and everyone was, uh, you know, pretty excited. He had, he had his pool set up there and there was food and drinks and everything set up his house there for everyone to have a good time and, and enjoy, uh, you know, the, the culmination of being able to win the Stanley cup. Wow. You know, I don't know a lot about hockey, but even I can tell that that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's... And I do know who Sidney Crosby is. So there you, you go. Know, one thing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, you were with the Pittsburgh organization for a number of years in their uh, in their American League affiliate uh, city for um, for much of it. Uh, the the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins. There you go, Holly. Here's another tie-in. Brad lived in the town right next to Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of the Office. Amazing, so. Brad. Are you a fan of the Office? Uh, I am, but I don't. I'm. I've never like gone through it and watched it all. I, if there's an episode on, I'll watch it here and there. But I'm not okay. Can yeah. Can uh, point out episodes or recall very many of them. You know what? We'll take it. Okay. <laughs> I I visited uh, Scranton uh, once. I think. And we went there. I don't know if you were with us, Brad, or if it was uh, dad and John and I maybe, but um, we drove there thinking maybe we could see something office related. I don't think I'd watched the whole show yet, but I knew about it. And uh, so we ended up in the mall in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is not very big. Uh, If I remember right, it's not very big. And all there was in there was like a backdrop with some of the office characters pictures on it that you could stand in front of and get your picture taken (laughs) oh that's amazing that was the extent of the office uh experience in Scranton. i think i think what doesn't one of the episodes michael go to a penguins game they do go they oh Oh, yeah maybe maybe i know they go to he gets a he gets a present or a wilkesbury jersey or something or probably you know in the office michael scott is known to be a great hockey player or at least an ice skater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So self-proclaimed though, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But in real life, apparently Steve Carell is actually like an amazing like skater. Oh. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So um, back to the, the, uh, the hockey, then your AHL goal, uh, all-star in 2011, your goalie of the year in 2011. Uh, you uh, also won a team, a team award. I guess a team award. It's a goaltending team award. You and your, your uh, goaltending pair, uh, partner uh, won the, the award for the best goals against average in the league in 2010, 2011, and 2011, 2012. And um, in uh, 20 February of 2011, you also had some NHL experience. So tell us about that. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I had played really well in, in the year prior and hadn't gotten a, a chance to, to play in the NHL yet. So I was, you know, itching to kind of get that opportunity and um, had gotten called up a few times to back up some games. So I'd been there, but I hadn't still gotten the chance to the opportunity to play a game. Um, and then finally, one of the 
Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, his backup was, I think it was Brent Johnson at the time, and he got injured. So I was up uh, for a good month, month or six weeks or so. And so I knew that there was probably a good opportunity for me to be able to play in my first game in the NHL then. Um, I think there was two home games back-to-back. We played, I think it was Tampa Bay the first game, and then Columbus was the second game. And and after the after the first game, coach uh, it was Dan Bilesm at the time came up to me and said, "You're gonna you're gonna start the next game." And uh, so that was the moment I had been waiting for for a long time. So um, you know, pretty cool opportunity and and uh, a lot of uh, hard work and a lot of um, you know just time that had been spent uh, thinking about that that opportunity that moment. So it was uh, it was cool to be able to to hear those words and be able to step on the ice uh, the next day and, and uh, start a, a game in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So that was a 4-2 win over Columbus. Uh, your first National Hockey League goal against was to Rick Nash, so that's all right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was a breakaway. <laughs> it was a breakaway, yeah. And uh, then you also played against Toronto. That was your second game, and you beat mm-hmm. them 3-2. to two. Um, And then was it your your third game? What was your third game? Third game was another home game. We beat Winnipeg. I think it was 7 or 8-4. to four. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to continue? <laughs> <laughs> the fourth game didn't go so well. <laughs> fourth no. game was in Ottawa. What do you remember about that one? Uh, I remember it being a Hockey Night Canada game. It was on Saturday night. And uh, so I was pretty excited about that uh, going into Ottawa. It was the first time, like, they had played, I had played against the teams that I played against first. They were all kind of some of the weaker teams. Uh, it was all home games. So, they kind of picked those ones uh, purposefully for me to, to play. And then the Ottawa game, um, the first thing, I think you can probably YouTube this or something, but it was known for like the, the national anthem was really bad. <laughs> yes. I can't remember who was saying, or it was, I, I don't remember, but I remember like smirking during the national anthem because it was like, I don't know if it was bad or long or what the, what the reason was, but that was, it started off on a bad foot and it didn't get any better from there. It was, <laughs> it was uh, a long night for me. I think it was, I think it was another eight, four, seven, four or something like that. A lot of, a lot of goals against. And that was the last game I played, but it was uh, or last game I started, but it was, um, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, and your whole team didn't play well that game. And uh, I, yeah. But you got in in relief against the Islanders again uh, a little while later, right? Yeah, that was uh, a few games later. It was nice to kind of get back in there and get the taste of that other one out of my mouth and be able to play another period. So um, I came in relief of Flurry for that game. I think we were we were down five two or five one going to the third period. We made it a five four game, so we were, it was close, but you know. yeah. So uh, after that, that uh, that backup goalie got better and came back, and you went back down to the American League, and uh, you were there until uh, 2013, and uh, then you made a, a brief pit stop in Finland, in uh, in Helsinki, Finland. So tell us about that experience. Yeah, that was uh, not anything that I had expected. We had that was my we'd just been married for one year and it was after four years in, in the Pittsburgh organization, we were kind of looking for a change and trying to, you know, see what else was out there, what other opportunities there were and um, start a free agency. There wasn't, you know, many opportunities that were coming up and kind of started panicking about where I was going to play the next year and, and 
Europe was never an option or never even a thought um, for me. It is a good opportunity for a lot of guys to go play in Europe at some point in their careers, but I didn't think that was the time then. But given the circumstances and things like that, um, there was a, a chance to go play in, in Finland, uh, in Helsinki, which was – if you're going to be in Finland, it's going to be Helsinki because <laughs> at least uh, know some English and there's, uh, you know – um, you know, it's a big, big city. And, and, uh, so we decided to take that opportunity and it was, uh, an experience. Uh, we got to, as you know, my wife and I was, it was a good chance for us to connect, um, together. Cause it was really just us. Um, we didn't have many, um, friends or anything over there that we knew. So, uh, the hockey was, it was a cool experience just to see like how hockey is over in Europe. Like a lot of the the chants and the stands like soccer kind of is over there in Europe and, and things like that. That was, uh, you know, pretty cool. Um, me and the coach the coach didn't really like me, I guess we could say, <laughs> and, uh, got off on the wrong foot and I didn't, didn't really play that well. And I didn't, it wasn't, wasn't really a fit. So I think, uh, after three or four months, we, we came back home. Yeah. You came home and signed in Norfolk, which was, uh, Anaheim, if I remember right, Anaheim's farm yes. team, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, the next year you signed with Calgary's organization and played in, uh, in Glens Falls, New York. And was that, that was one year or two years there? Just one year. Yeah. That was one actually the, the year after uh, Calgary moved from Abbotsford. So that would have been nice, but. Oh yes, that's right. They moved from Abbotsford to, to Glens Falls. Yeah. Right. Um, then you signed with the Columbus organization and you've been with them ever since, um, largely in Cleveland with the Cleveland monsters um and uh you had the experience of winning the calder cup in 2016 now you weren't uh playing uh a lot of the games then but you were instrumental in helping the team make the playoffs that year yeah it was kind of a funny year because the the year in adirondack it was just it didn't really go well it wasn't hockey wasn't fun anymore i just didn't know if you know god wanted me to keep playing um but i needed a, uh, in order to stay in the States as a Canadian, I needed a green card. And uh, my wife was the ticket to that green card, but I also had to have a job in the States for another year. So I, I knew going after that season, I was going to need to play another season to be able to get my green card. So I was fully prepared for that season to be my last one, just to enjoy playing hockey for one more year. Um, and so that meant not being in the, in the AHL, I was in the ECHL, which is a level below the, the AHL in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so we had uh, fully intentions of, of playing out that year and being done uh, playing hockey and seeing what, what else got in store for us after that. But um, it ended up being, uh, you know, a ton of fun. We had a, a really good time in Cincinnati playing and just enjoying um, playing hockey again. We had one kid, Nash was, I think, one years old at the time. So um ended up Cleveland having some injuries so I would get called up we'd pack up the jeep drive up four hours to Cleveland uh live in a hotel and, and uh played in Cleveland and, and played some of my best hockey that year uh when we had injuries and was able to help the team into the playoffs and then you know they kind of went on a run and we were able to to win the Calder Cup which was pretty cool to be a part of here too mm-hmm yeah, uh, they know Brad in Cleveland as Brickwall Brad. That's his uh, that's his moniker there, at least on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I think largely that came from that season because uh, they they called you up and you 
you played some phenomenal hockey and uh, got them into the playoffs and, and, uh, and the team won the championship. So uh, tell us about the last few years then uh, you've been playing and coaching. Uh, tell us what that's been like. Yeah, this was our, this uh, season will be done in a week, but this will be our sixth year in Cleveland, which as a, you know, as an older minor league player, uh, stability is not something that comes easily. So to be able to kind of be in one spot for that period of time has been a blessing to us, especially uh, with a young family, not having to pack up and move and, and kind of go all over uh, North America, chasing, chasing jobs has, has been um, uh, a real blessing. And, and so, yeah, like you said, three years ago, uh, I had some knee surgery. Uh, I think I was 32 at the time. And that's kind of, you know, as a, a goalie in, in this profession, and especially in the minor leagues, and where there's always younger and better prospects coming up, trying to try and take your job. It's kind of uh, time to move on. But they uh, gave me the opportunity in the organization to be a player coach. So I would, um, you know, help our younger goalies out. Uh, I'm on the ice, you know, working them out, doing extra goalie drills, uh, watching video with them, um, just kind of helping them in their journey as they try and uh, make the NHL. And then if there's ever injuries or call-ups or things like that, um, you know, that's a, my opportunity to, to play again still. So for the last three years, I, I've done that role. And, and uh, you know, it's been fun to be able to still play, but also have, um, you know, one foot on the other side of playing and see what that, that world is like too. So it's been a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, as we kind of transition back into our, our questions here, if you look back over all of that, uh, what's a hockey highlight or two that, that you hold over and above the rest? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously my first game, uh, in NHL would be, you know, probably number one up on the list. Um, that's, you know, as, as a kid, that's what I was, you know, dreaming about and, and working for and, and, uh, to be able to achieve that goal was, was, was special. Um, playing wise, uh, one year in, in Wilkes-Barre, um, in the playoffs, uh, we were uh, on a playoff run. I wasn't playing at the time, and then uh, we went down 3 nothing in a series um, in the second round of Providence, and I was put in the net, and we came back to win that series in seven games, which is, it was something only three teams in the American Hockey League have done in, in the history. So to be able to be a part of that was was really cool. Um, uh, you only let in, what, like four goals in those four games or something, right? Uh, yeah, you have to have to look those up. But it was, <laughs> See, he's too modest was, to tell was, us about how well he played there. <laughs> it was probably the best best hockey I've I've played in my career in that two week span. It was it was pretty pretty fun to, to be able to do that. Um, but now, like my highlights, I, I'm I'm really thankful that I've been able to play as long as I can because um, you know I'm lucky to be able to have my kids watch me play, which is something that I was always wanted to do. Um, you know, it's hockey doesn't define who I am, but for them to be able to see kind of kind of what dad did and, and stuff when when uh, they're still able to remember it has been fun. And just to <laughs> be critiqued by them now when when they watch a game and <laughs> it's fun the next morning when they, they wake up and they come downstairs and like dad. Like you made a lot of good saves, but you got to stay in your net or something, something like that. Like, <laughs> little things that they pick up on is, is uh, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. Now, before we move on uh, with my next question here, 
let's journey back to when I looked up uh, the Wikipedia page for Brad Teeson. Okay. <laughs> now, fine. Yeah, so I found that there's actually a Bradley Teeson as well, who is a Canadian curler. And that I'm guessing is not you. Um, this person is a longtime member of the Brendan Botcher rink. So that's okay. probably not you. But then well, I looked up again, there is a Brad Teeson. This is what it says about you. Um, Brad Teeson, born March 19th, 1986, is a Canadian professional ice hockey goaltender, and he is currently playing for the Cleveland Monsters of the American Hockey League. There we go. That, you know, to so, me, that sounds like it's you. <laughs> that's me. Yeah, pretty confident. And I have an impromptu game that we're all going to play here, and it is, uh, it's called Google Feud. And I want you guys to guess <laughs> what comes up when I type in Brad Teeson on Google. Like, what are the first prompts that we think? comes up okay oh boy i'm gonna say it's it's uh brad teeson's hockey db page hockey database that is number three ah. and it's funny because i saw hockey db and i was like what is that <laughs> <laughs> so that's number three uh, i feel like i'm gonna be the worst at this uh just brad <laughs> teeson hockey career Brad Teeson hockey career is not in there, but that would have been a good guess. That's a good guess. Oh boy. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know. It would, I'm trying to think. I'd say Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know. Pittsburgh Penguins is not in there. Okay. Is it is it the AHL? Is it his stats page on the AHL.com? Uh, gosh, I wouldn't know. I, I don't see. <laughs> this is just I type in Brad Decent and then the prompts that come after, I see nothing about AHL. Okay, I'll okay. give everybody one more guess and then I'll put us all out of our misery. <laughs> Craig, what's your final guess? Um is it uh, is it Cleveland Monsters? Is, is it? No. Okay. I was going to say Cleveland Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Bobby, what's your final guess? Uh, I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Brad, what's your final guess? Uh, is it Brad Teeson, Craig Teeson's brother? Is that what it comes yeah, up? Oh, that's so crazy that you guessed that. That's actually number one. <laughs> uh, no, I would say it's Brad Teeson goalie or something like that. Oh, you know what? You would think. But um, let me tell you, number one is actually Brad Teeson wife. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'll be happy so, to know that. Yeah. Now, I think this is also like maybe the Bradley Teeson with the curler because there's also Brad Teeson curler height, Brad okay. Teeson Instagram, Brad Teeson parents um oh. brad teeson family brad teeson curler family brad teeson fright liner i don't know what that means and brad teeson curler married <laughs> i'm gonna have to check this curler out yeah right? check with them. <laughs> oh wow that was fun thank you for uh indulging me in that everybody so my my question is actually something that people assume is true of pro athletes but that is not true yeah uh, you know what? I think a lot of people see pro athletes and kind of have them up on a pedestal, but 
they're just like regular people like you and I like it's not like I don't know they everyone I think thinks that they don't have problems or things that they deal with that that are different than normal everyday people but it's it's no different like <laughs> they have kids uh you know they're up in the middle of the night screaming and sick just like everyone else's kids and then they got to go to work the next day and perform on the ice and things like that like it's um you know there's a lot of glamour and um at the nhl level like money involved and things like that but it doesn't uh take away from the fact that everyone's still human beings and still has uh you know feelings and emotions and things that they're all all going through uh, just like everybody else so hmm. yeah that's a good answer and you know what i would say in our 40 minutes maybe of conversing now you seem like a very down-to-earth normal guy normal in the best way possible <laughs> oh, thanks. i appreciate that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Holly was just swooning a couple of days earlier, being really excited yeah. about yeah, this. Exactly. And now she's like, you know what? Crap, just a normal guy. I'm not going to ask for the, uh, the, the signed yeah, autograph. My, on, my big, uh, uh, on. my secret love for hockey, especially the yeah. American Hockey League. <laughs> uh, all right, Brad. So, what's it like to be a believer in the midst of a hockey culture? Yeah, I mean it's it's not easy. I mean it, it's kind of lonely. I think hockey is one of the sports with the I would say the fewest number of Christians or fewest well-known Christians. I, and I I don't know the reason for that. I think you know I've heard other people or some people talk about different reasons why. I think um, sometimes people attribute hockey is kind of like a, a wealthy person sport, which kind of lends itself to, to some people maybe that aren't um, searching for Christianity or things that, um, you know, they're, that's not in their uh, culture or circle. Um, hockey players uh, tend to be more reserved uh, people in nature, I think. I think, like, if you're, you know, football players, baseball players, or not baseball, but basketball, um, the Christians in those sports are a little bit more uh, outgoing or um, kind of, uh, loud about their faith maybe on on twitter or social media or things like that um hockey still you know has christians but could use some more who are more uh, vocal about it i would say which it, it's happening more like i think someone like mike fisher and and uh kind of the the reach that he has and could have if he was um like more vocal about it and and he is you know starting to be more and more in, in that way but some more hockey players that would kind of reach out that way, but it is, it is um, hard to be kind of a uh, Christian on your own when there's not too many others, especially in the dressing room who aren't living the same way or living the same lifestyle or, um, you know, someone that, you know, if, if uh, you know, there's a, something going on with the team that, you know, everyone's kind of gravitating towards, but you as a Christian, know you don't want to be a part of it. Um, you know, when it's only you making that decision, it's a little bit harder when there's like maybe a few of you who know that there's, um, you know, something that you can do about it or uh, handle things differently or, or not take part in different things. So, um, no, like I said, it, it's not easy, but it's, it's uh, something that, um, you know, God has called and given me the, the ability and the skills to, to be in this arena for a reason and, and try and be a witness where I can in, in those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, 
so you've been a, a, a very long career and uh, it sounds like you're still uh, adamant about your Christianity mm -hmm. too. So how have you combated that loneliness um, and not let it consume you? Yeah, the, I've always, I've found a lot like if you make the effort, like God puts people in your life and um, this brings people alongside you wherever you are. Um, I've found that ever since even leaving home for the first time, going to Penticton and where it was like, okay, like if, if, uh, you know, you're going to take hold of your faith as your own, like you're going to have to make the effort. It can't just be, um, mom and dad bringing you to church anymore, or, you know, going to Christian school at MEI and, you know, those safe places like that. Like I was kind of out on my own. So even just like walking into a, a church for the first time, somewhere different where you didn't know anybody and just kind of like sitting in the back seat and not really wanting to talk to anyone because you you don't know anyone and 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 it's hard to kind of make that step but um through uh making those steps of faith just trying to get out there and, and being um you know vulnerable in those situations trying to to meet other christians in different parts of the world i remember even like in finland like i was like okay what am i going to do out here as people don't even speak english how am i going to find you know uh, other christians that i can kind of could be involved with um, and I stumbled upon a, a, a Finnish speaking church, but they would give you headphones if you were, uh, you know, couldn't speak English or uh, Finnish and you'd wear the headphones and someone in the back was translating the whole message, uh, into English for you. And they had an English speaking small group. And, and, uh, so that was really cool just to be a part of there. Um, we have in, in the hockey world, there's a few different, um, organizations that try and, you know, come alongside hockey players in their faith and, and give them, uh, ways that they can, you know, strengthen each other and build each other up. Uh, Hockey Ministries International has a big, um, their big thing is is uh, uh, the chapel program. So every they try and get a, a team chaplain in every city uh, in the NHL and in the American Hockey League um, and the ECHL as well, where um, you know there's a, a pastor in the area that'll come into the rink maybe once a week or uh, once every few weeks whenever time allows and and uh, meet with whoever wants to. So we'll have, you know, a chapel with you know, anywhere from, I've been on teams where there's, you know, only one or two of us to six or seven of us guys who might not be Christians, but maybe grew up, um, you know, going to a Catholic church or something like that, where their parents were, um, had some sort of faith background. And, you know, maybe they don't know what it's all about, but they know they, you know, should go and just kind of see what, what's being talked about. So, um, and those are big for me too, just to be able to have a, you know, someone like a, a pastor in the area. Cause it's hard to, you know, with our travel schedule and, uh, things like that to be able to get to church services all the time. So we will have someone there. Um, FCA is a fellowship of Christian athletes. They have, uh, and they're starting to get bigger in the hockey world. Um, they have a thing called a huddle, which is, uh, a video, um, Bible study kind of every couple of weeks, uh, with any pro hockey player around North America. So we will get on the, you know, video chat with each other um, and be able to, you know, study a book, study something that's going on in the Bible or what we're dealing with as, as Christian guys in the hockey world and just be able to kind of pray with each other, uh, strengthen each other and, and go over, um, you know, whatever we're dealing with at the time. So, so those are just some things that um, have been pretty cool to be able to be a part of uh, as, a, as a Christian in my hockey journey here. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Cause I think most people are wanting deeper relationships in one way or another, mm -hmm. even though we're connected, people are 
uh, feel lonelier than ever, but it takes intentionality. Right. People think they're going to fall into deep relationships, but it's going to take you reaching out. And I appreciate how you've done that throughout uh, your career in different places and different ways. And even in Finland where yeah. it would have been really hard to do that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, and you've, uh, you've taken the initiative to start some things like that at various places, right? Yeah, I did. Um, in Cincinnati, we didn't have a, you know, a chapel program. So I was able to kind of reach out to the head of hockey ministries and, and see, you know, what the process would be to try and try and get a, a chapel leader going there. So I met with a few people in the area in Cincinnati there, and we were able to, to get that program started. Um, and it's still going there today, which is, is pretty cool. And then here in Cleveland, uh, we were actually, we had one uh, chapel leader and it was not, not a, you know, a, a good fit for, for the guys and stuff. So we were in between chapel leaders of that situation. So for that whole season, I was the chapel leader. So it was, uh, I, uh, which was pretty cool. Cause it was, uh, you know, being able to be with my teammates, you know, I think we had like five or six guys and just kind of share with them different things that I was learning, um, through different, uh, messages or things that I was hearing from God and, um, be able to, talk things through with them on that level. So that was pretty cool too. So at uh, Ross road right now, we're studying through Daniel and we've called the series stand out and, and obvious places in that book where Daniel and, and his friends had to stand out for their faith. Are there are instances that uh, you've had to take a stand uh, and, and been separate from the rest of, of the group because of a position you've taken on something. Mm-hmm. I, the one that really sticks out for me was probably when I was, I want to say like 12 or 13 and there was in the dressing room um, after a game uh, we had like a, a heated game against you know a team that we didn't like and everyone was fired up after we'd won the game the coach was in the room and he, he wanted all of us to make a you know a gesture towards the other team uh, in the dressing room and and I uh, he wanted he told everyone to do it and everyone did and I just kind of stood sat there and, and didn't want to do it because I I knew inside it wasn't the right thing to do and um, I didn't do it. And after later on that night, he called me and was like, Hey, you know, I appreciate you standing up for, for that and, and not doing that. Um, um, so that was the first time that I remember doing that and, and making it, uh, you know, an impression there. And I think once you do it once, like the first time is always the hardest. And when you stand up for something that you believe in and, and, that you feel that you know is right, you know, God kind of honors that and gives you that strength and, and that um, courage to stand up in situations like that. Like as I got older, I mean, there's always different situations, uh, you know, rookie parties are always a big one where, you know, there's a, a junior levels and then pro levels um, every year, there's a, you know, a team rookie party where there's all sorts of things going on, as you can imagine, and be able to kind of, especially as a rookie, not wanting to take part in those things and be able to stand up and say, no, like, I'm not going to be drinking this much or doing this, that, or the other thing. And, and, uh, and in the, in the moment, it, it's really tough to do it, but I've always found everyone res- respects you for your decision. And, and, uh, you know, maybe some guys will come up afterwards and be like, Hey, you know, I, you know, respected that for, you not you know, giving in or, or stand up for what you believe in. So, um, it's not always easy, but i you know, definitely think it's something that God's given me the ability to, to stand up for. Mm. Um, 
when I played football for the University of Alberta and um, in our rookie initiation, um, well, first of all, I'm diabetic. Yeah. And one of the initiations was to drink a bunch of syrup. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons where it was easy to stand up for yeah. different reasons. And the guy, yeah. I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's, it's cool even too, like how many, like you stand up for something and God gives you an out. Like I remember in college, my, my freshman year, it was like the, the rookie initiation was like everyone had to go into one room in this house, all the rookies. They threw a bunch of beer in there and you had to stay in there until everyone had drank everything that was in there and then go out uh, in front of the whole crowd and tell a joke and drink out of a skate and like do all these things. And so my roommate was in there and I wasn't drinking in there and, and he had gotten so drunk that he needed to go to the hospital. And someone needed to take him. So I volunteered. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> take him. So he ended up being okay. And I ended up getting out of it. So it was good. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, you were provided a way out. That's awesome. That's right. So you've already kind of answered this quite a bit, but is there anything else that you would add to just the question of how you've maintained a strong faith despite secular culture and in spite of challenges that you've faced? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just the, the thought of you can't do things on your own. I think it's, being able to have a you know a strong group around you, strong network of of friends. Uh, it's helped that we've been in Cleveland for you know six years now. We have a you know a church that we're you know a part of and um, really enjoy our, our friends here and uh, you know other Christians that we can come alongside of. So um, just the ability to have people alongside to build you up when when we're you know weak and and in those times that we need where you need that. Mm -hmm. Um, how have you been able to uh, not make hockey an idol in your life instead of or to prioritize your mm -hmm. faith over your uh, hockey, which I'm sure it would be really easy to do, especially with your first experience with the winning the Stanley Cup and your first experience and having those tastes of being the NHL as well. Um, yeah. so how is that? How have you been able to not have that consume your faith? Yeah, it's it's really easy in this in this world to kind of get sucked into that um, mentality of you know it's all about you and trying to get to that NHL or get get the you know the big contracts and the you know nice fancy cars and um, just kind of be put up on a pedestal and and uh, want everyone to see how great you're doing. Um, it's you know that's just kind of the world that that it is in pro sports because everything's out there for everyone to see all the time. So um, just trying to really keep myself grounded, um, trying to remember every time I'm stepping on the ice, it, it's for an audience of one, not for, you know, everyone else that's out there, um, you know, playing for, for God. And I try and have little reminders for myself uh, every year when I'm, when I'm in the net, um, I have a verse that I'll put on the back of my helmet. So every time I put on my helmet, I can kind of, um, you know, just kind of have a reminder that, you know, I'm playing for God and that uh, he's the one that's put me there. And um, just trying to, to use little things like that to keep myself mindful of the fact of, you know, how blessed I am that he's put me in this position and, and uh, how quickly it can, can be taken away as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. cool. Uh, just a couple more minutes here and uh, want to end with a bit of a game. But uh, first, I uh, wonder what the reaction of teammates, coaches, trainers, and just other people that you've dealt with uh, has been when they find out about your faith. Uh, you know, I've never, um, I was trying to think, I don't, I don't think I've ever been like ridiculed or persecuted, I would say, like openly for, for my faith. Maybe you guys 
you know, maybe maybe behind my back. I don't know. I'm never openly uh, to me. I've I've had definitely had uh, you know people, um, coaches, players, uh, teammates come to me um, at different moments and just kind of confide in me and ask me about my faith and and what it means to me and why I believe what I believe and um, just kind of how I live my life and why I live my life the way I do. So. Um, but those points are are pretty cool because sometimes when you're, you know, you're trying to be a witness, you're trying to be a light and, and not like kind of bang the Bible over people's heads, but just kind of live in a way that's different from everyone else. And you wonder, you know, am I making a difference here? And and so when, when those, those uh, moments happen, it's uh, just encouraging um, to know that God's using me in ways that I don't even know. So um, just trying to be able to, to be, strong in, in my character and the way I live my life and the choices that I make. And, and, uh, hopefully God can use those. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's great. So we'll ask you this one last question is what is next in the journey for Brad Thiessen, not to be confused with Bradley Thiessen, the curler, but <laughs> <laughs> what is next? for you? <laughs> Curling is not in the future. I think probably <laughs> yeah, be crazy. safe to say that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I think, uh, this is our last week of games here. Um, I'm scheduled to play Saturday night, which could be my last game ever. I, you know, I, I really don't know. It's I've, I've said that a couple of times over the past few years and I end up still playing, but um, I, I would like to be able to stay involved in hockey. I feel like um, God's called me to, to be involved in the hockey world. And I think there's, uh there's different uh things that i'd like to be able to do in hockey i think there's um you know a way that the hockey business the hockey world is seen and they treat players a certain way and do things a certain way where i, I feel like there's you know someone um like myself can be able to to do things in a way that's a little bit more relationship driven um not so much um, business and transactional kind of thing. I think sometimes players get seen as um, just pieces that get moved around and not as human beings. And I think there's, I'd like to be able to make a difference and in, in the way things are done. So I don't know where that is or how it's going to going to manifest itself, but we'll see what God has in store there. So. Um, give us uh, just a few seconds on, on uh, give, give us despairing Canucks fans uh, some reason to hope that our team might be good one day. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of good pieces there. Uh, some of the, the young players are you know, hopefully Patterson can get back healthy and, and Hughes is, is another good one, I think. I think Demko is is a goalie that they can uh, rely on in the future, and once they get rid of some of the baggage, the excess baggage, <laughs> pulling the team down. I think there's there's optimism there. So, should have got my Canucks jersey for this. You should have. Yeah, <laughs> I do yeah. actually have one. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we're gonna finish with a quick game that we've played with some guests before, and. Um, it's a get to know you game where I will pose uh, five questions, probably four questions because you've answered one of them already, actually four questions and Bobby and Holly and I will answer the questions 
based on what we know about you, which for Bobby and Holly is basically nothing. So, and then you will tell us if we're correct or not. Okay. 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 So the first question, Bobby and Holly, and I'll answer last because I don't, I made the questions because I don't know the answers to all of these questions. So I'll answer last and see, see how well I know my own brother. Um, so first question is Brad on TikTok. Wow, I really, really hope that you're on TikTok, but I just have a feeling that you're not. But I am an avid uh, TikTok user, and if you were on there, I would give you a follow. So I hope that you are, but I'm sure that you're probably not. If you're anything like Craig, I'm sure you're not. <laughs> Bobby, I'm gonna guess that Bradley Teeson, the curler, is on TikTok, Ooh, maybe, not yeah. Brad Teeson. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to say no, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ashley was on TikTok and that Brad's looked at TikTok through Ashley. So what's the answer, Brad? The answer is no, I am not on TikTok. And uh, <laughs> Ashley is not either. So oh, I'm, she's not. No, okay. she's not. We have not ventured into that world yet. I'm uh, strictly pretty much a Twitter user, uh, mm. not a very frequent um, poster, more use it for information of seldom Facebook user and my wife's uh, Instagram, but I have no time for that. Yeah, don't don't waste your time on TikTok. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> uh, I also never post on TikTok. I'm just there to take in the content. I'm waiting for, for Nash to come to me one day and want to be on. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be the... <laughs> yeah, when they're like 12, 13. Oh, yeah. Uh, yikes. Okay, next question is this. How many states has Brad been to? And uh, I don't know if you have a count in your head, Brad, but um, you can approximate if you want. So, Bobby, uh, take a guess. Uh, I'm going to go with like 46. <laughs> Some of the southern ones, maybe not. If you okay. on a bus all over the place to different places. Yeah. Okay. I don't on. know why. I don't know why I'm sensing the number like 23, but I'm just going to go for it. It's probably more than that. But. And I was I was going to ballpark it around 30 but maybe it's higher than that. That is a good question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I would say, I'd say probably in the 25 range. I, there's probably some that I haven't like actually gotten out of and stopped in, but right. we, uh, we've driven uh, uh, all up and down the East Coast for sure. Um, I've driven to New Jersey back to Abbotsford three or four times. So that's... Uh, Oh, there's got to be 10 or so in that trip. So, yeah, it's a uh, 25 to 30, I'd say. Okay. Okay. So, in conclusion, Craig and I are tied, but <laughs> I was more closer. <laughs> so, after this, you're going to have to take a map out and get, a, yeah. get an answer for it. <laughs> we'll back to yeah, yeah. know the who's right. Winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number three Does Brad listen to country music when driving alone? Oh, man. You know what? I. I, I, this is one of those things again, where I hope that the answer is no, but I feel like hockey people and country people are just always the same people. So I'm gonna like, like hockey fans and country fans, like players, I don't know. I, I feel like they go together. So I'm going to say you probably do, but I don't know. <laughs> I think Holly, I agree that he does, but I think that that most hockey players are not country people. Cause I feel like Southern is... <laughs> Southern is country music in the states, at least. Southern is country music, and uh, but not hockey. I don't know. Players. Every person I've met that played hockey is a country music fan. It's just they always go together. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think the answer is also yes, but you can also clarify if Holly's assumption is true about hockey culture. Uh, the answer would be yes. I knew uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> mostly, mostly it's podcast, but if it's music, it'll it'll be country. Um, and I would say there is a decent amount of hockey players that like their country music. Yeah. So it's, what do you know? <laughs> it is something. It wouldn't be on in the dressing room. In the it used to be more so when I was younger in my career. The younger kids now. Not as much country, but the older guys, mostly country. I knew it. I knew it. The, the fourth question was going to be, has Brad edited his own Wikipedia page? But he just acknowledged that he doesn't even know it existed. So the answer no. there is no. Um, and so the last question is, how many Finnish words can Brad speak? Ooh. I feel like you hinted at the answer in this podcast somewhere. But... Uh... I don't know, maybe like six. I'm going to say if he, when he was there, it was probably like 50, but it's down to 12. I was going to say 10. That might even be high. I remember when we were, <laughs> when we were in Finland, Ashley and I was, were like, we're going to learn like one, I don't know if it was one new word a day or something, but it didn't happen. It was. It's a very difficult language to, to learn. So I'd put it at maybe five right now. I don't, it's uh, it's not, not good. <laughs> but you know what? You had high expectations, so that's that's yeah. something you tried. Yeah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, that was close to six. That's good. Yeah. Any last questions from anybody? Hmm. Excellent. Well, Brad, thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, sharing My with pleasure. us your journey. Uh, people still ask about you here, so you are uh, regarded fondly and people are following you, and uh, I know they'll be interested to hear this. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. One of, the, one of these days, I'll make it back there whenever we're allowed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, great day. to meet you, Brad. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys. Ross Road Connect podcast is produced by Ross Road Community Church in Abbotsford, BC. For more information about our church community and links to more podcasts and sermons, visit rossroadcc.ca.